The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sell Better Daily Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we're here to talk about key sales metrics you need to track in order to hit your quota. Everybody's on that run. You know, it's becoming the end of the month. How can you make sure that you go out strong with it and you continue that pattern going forward? We're going to get into that and so much more. But before we do, I want to let you guys know, if you're interested in leveling up in 2023, you are in the right place. Uh, Sell Better by JB Sales is here to help you with our daily show, our membership with instant access to hundreds of trainings and resources, and corporate sales trainings for you and your your team. So if you guys haven't had a chance, be sure to check this out at sellbetter.xyz or scan this QR code and you can see what we're all about. And as always, I love to know, where are you guys tuning in from? Throw it in the chat. I would love to see it. A lot of times we get these worldwide and I want to know, where are you guys tuning in from? We got Brazil. We got New York. We got Napa. Welcome, Evan. Tracy from Edmonton. Welcome. Love to have you here. And Jace from Austin. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to have you guys here. And boom, now the chat is just blowing up. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Love to have you. Now, you know that we always have a drop of the day. So today we have a free download for you guys. We're showing you how to harness the power of sales triggers. If you guys don't know, this is very important. We're going to be showing you all the top sales triggers to look for while prospecting with this, seven actionable steps to implement in your sales process, and the why behind it all. So be sure to check that out and click that link. So who are today's speakers? We got Kimmy in the building. She's a senior SDR at Gong. Welcome, Kimmy. We also have Amanda Bagley. She's a sales professional with a soon-to-be-announced company. So welcome, Amanda. Love to have you here. Now, Kimmy, what is one thing? Help me understand. How do you review? How is it that reviewing your sales productivity has helped you as a sales rep? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, reflecting on what went well, whether it's in a day, a week, or a month, how my inputs are tracking against my goals and what's actually leading to results that I'm seeing success with has been really crucial for me. Um, my first month off of ramp here at Gong, like I missed my quota by 40%. And for me, that was like this huge, I need to take a step back and look at what I'm doing. I sat down and realized like at the rate I convert, I need to be doing a lot more activity, obviously on the side, also working on my conversion rate. But that whole process of like sitting down, figuring out where do I need to be focusing and continuing to do that, I think has mm-hmm. what has led me to have consistent progress and be able to consistently hit quota now. Heck yeah. love to hear it. So we're going to be covering this and so much more. We're also going to hear from Amanda and her takes on how she was able to review and make sure she hits quota and beyond all the time. So What are we going to be speaking on today? We're going to be showing you guys the key sales metrics you need to review and analyze, how to examine past closed deals to increase your close rate, and lastly, how to practice new strategies with those tier three prospects. We've all been there. You're scraping at the end of the barrel. Let's make sure you get yourself something of value. So before we do, I want to know who's in the room. 
Do we have SDRs? Do we have AEs, frontline managers, senior leadership? Guys, fill this out because it helps us tailor the conversation to you all. There's a lot of SDRs. I'm asking SDR questions. A lot of AEs, AE questions. So be sure to fill that out and let us know who is in the room. So let's just dive right in. You got these key sales metrics. You got to review them in some way. Amanda, you had a really good point about pipeline coverage. Could you tell me more about that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, historical data at your organization should be able to tell you just how much pipeline you should have uh, in order to get to your actual quota. And when I say pipeline, it's got to be real pipeline. So coming from being an individual contributor as an account executive, as well as being an AE manager, it was important to look at what's really in there that's real. What's moving along? What do we have next steps? Or what do we just have sitting in there with like a hope? And a prayer. Um, so understanding exactly how much pipeline you have and and what is is real and pipeline that we can actually progress forward to close. Okay. That is actually a really good point. You want to make sure that you got the full coverage and what is realistic. I like what you put there, Amanda. That you got to make sure it's actually something that will close. So you got to think about that. Now, Kimmy, I'm seeing here that we have about 38% of the room is SDRs. Now, we're talking about reviewing and analyzing in the past. How do you review your own activity and conversions as an SDR? Absolutely. This for me normally happens at the end of the week and then also at the end of the month and then end of the quarter. And so what it looks like is sitting down and understanding like, hey, how many meetings did I source and where did they come from? Um, one of the big things is like you need to look at your own conversion rates and like where are you sourcing your meetings from like if you mostly source from email like there's probably not going to be that much value in being like i'm going to make a ton more calls unless you're really trying to like book a lot more meetings from calls so i think one understanding like where am i typically sourcing from and then like i think we're going to talk about gifting later and knowing like okay well how many gifts do i usually need to send in order to land a meeting and so it's just backing into it from like meeting per activity what's your conversion rate and then total that you need to do and the source that it's coming from so that's been huge for me to understand what's what's the equation because at the end of the day like there is math that you can do that's going to tell you if you do this you're very likely to hit your number so tell me about that you mentioned an equation uh how exactly did you figure out what that equation was or even break it down yeah well so my background before i went into sales was as an analyst so um <laughs> when it comes to like pulling salesforce reports and putting together stuff in Excel to understand what's going on in my book of business. I actually like have a lot of fun with it. Um, but it's literally just understanding like, okay, how many activities did I do? And then how many meetings did I book from that? And then that's your conversion rate. And then you would have to like, just do division and back into like, if I wanted to set five meetings from calls and I book a meeting, out of every 200 calls I do, then I need to do a thousand calls in mm. a month. Okay. I like how you did that. You kind of like, you just saw what was proportional to the amount of effort you put in and then see what is actually working to make a call, like a data driven decision. 
for your future. Absolutely. I can't promise you're going to like the number you see though. I certainly didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Amanda, speaking of understanding organizations and, and rates and these conversions, why is it important? What kind of things do you like to look out for in terms of equations? Yeah. So let's start with the average conversion rate. And for most organizations, it's going to be different depending on the source. So inbound, so hand raisers that come through your form or whatever channel that is that marketing is produced is likely going to have a higher conversion rate than, for example, a deal that one of our hardworking SDRs like Kimmy has sourced. Um, but I do say that with kind of an asterisk. So in my experience, also at Chili Piper, sometimes there were months where we actually had a higher outbound um, conversion. But let's look at the overall average conversion rate. And then we'll look at our, our pipeline in dollars, right? So how much money do we have in pipeline? Again, making sure it's real and accurate making sure that we're being relatively modest with how we're pricing things out. Sometimes, depending on what point you are in a sales cycle, we don't know exactly like how many user licenses they're going to have or what specific products they're going to end up buying at the end. So I would tell my reps, like, let's, let's kind of err on the lower side of it again so everything is realistic. Um, then let's look at the number of deals that we have in Pipeline. And then let's look at the average sales cycle length. So some reps are looking at a monthly quota. Some reps are looking at a quarterly quota. And you're just going to be able to break all of that down into the math. So let's say I have 20 opportunities or we'll say we'll start 10 opportunities that are healthy in middle to late stage. I know at this point there is going to be a 30% conversion rate. So we can say, hey, three out of the 10 of these, just based on the historical data that we have, um, are going to close. And then we can look at the average deal size and tell us just where we are um, with what we can anticipate to close. And how close uh, we are going to get to quota. Uh, anywhere that we need to fill that in, of course, and that is going to be through prospecting mm. as well as trying to look for other upsells, right? Sometimes we'll get to the end of a, of a sales cycle and recognize, hey, you're actually going to also benefit from these products. Why don't we throw that in there and then we can hire uh, what that contract value is going to be. Love that. That is a really good breakdown of the different types of equations and how you can utilize them all together, right? And, and just to understand it. Now, if you guys didn't see it in the chat, we actually just dropped a free resource for you as well. Uh, we actually have an entire Excel sheet that will help you break down what you need to hit quota. So go ahead, give that a click, see if you guys can download that. Could really help you in the long run. Now, I also want to know, what activity do you guys like to analyze? Let us know. We can bring this a part of the conversation and break down why it matters. Do you guys like conversion rates? Do you normally just go after your daily metrics? Been there. Doesn't always work the way you want. Organizational averages or maybe something else. Just throw it in the chat if it, if it is different. Now, Kimmy, we mentioned that you can use all these rates and that they're great. They help you kind of build the basis. But what about holding yourself accountable? How can you actually make sure that you stick to the data that you're seeing? Absolutely. <laughs> Not an easy answer. Um, <laughs> but I think this is something that a lot of people probably are going to come into the day with the same goals. And what has helped me 
is actually tracking at the end of the day, like how did I measure up to those goals? How did I not? My framework typically has been, like I have an individual goal of like, how do I wanna show up? Like what attitude do I wanna exhibit? Sometimes that's like, trust the process or believe in myself or whatever it might be. And I kind of anchor in that. And then I have goals for my role. And that's going to be like certain metrics that I'm trying to hit, um, like maybe specific people I'm really trying to get in contact with. And at the end of the day, I go and write, okay, I like my goal was to do 80 calls. Like I did 60. A lot of the times speaking for myself, I'll be like, that's, crazy dial session like I must have done like 100 calls and it's like 40. And so I think um going back and making sure like you're actually looking at those numbers at the end of the day and then figuring out like okay well like what do I need to change? Like did I get distracted during my dial block and start emailing someone? Did I get a LinkedIn notification and then end up scrolling there for 20 minutes when I was actually <laughs> supposed to be doing calls on my calendar? Um but figuring out where your process is broken and why you weren't able to attain those. So I think like looking at the end of the day, as opposed to just saying like, this is generally what I'm gonna set out to do and then not having a way to reflect on it, which is the everything that we're talking about right now. Okay. I, I can jump in on that. Like time blocking is so critical. I remember being an SDR back in those days. And it's like you said, Kimmy, like what happened? I only made 40 calls, but I had this, this call block uh, blocked out. So ignoring everything. And, and even since some people just hate picking up the phone, uh, what do they say? Eating, eating the frog first or mm -hmm. something that we talked about the last time I was on, um, on a webinar with you guys was doing the most successful activities at the most successful times. So I'm sure, Kimmy, you've figured out the people that you're reaching out to are most likely to pick up the phone at certain times. So let's really focus on that specific activity, turn everything else off and just hit the phones. And one thing I can attribute my success as an SDR to is the fact that I just fell in love with the concept of cold calling. I know not a lot of people like it, but I just thought, what could be cooler than calling somebody out of the blue, uh, getting over that initial objection because potentially they don't want to talk to you getting them to give your account executive 30 minutes of their day and then uh, potentially then ending up buying something. So mm. that's my tip to, to SDRs is fall in love with it however you can. Now, Amanda, for all the AEs out there, because we did see it was about 43% of our audience right now is AEs. What right. would you recommend they do to analyze their day? Because a lot of times they get these inbound leads and if you're using a tool that auto schedules it into your calendar, uh, it could just all of a sudden now that's taking up a moment in your day. So you got to find out how to balance demos, how to yeah. balance outbound, inbound. So what rec what do you recommend they do? Well, one, a tool that auto schedules, I think uh, one of my favorites is Chili Piper. Um, but ultimately, yes, if you're getting meetings put on your calendar and you don't necessarily have control over your calendar in that sense, take control of your calendar, right? Again, time block. These are this is the time that I'm going to use for follow-ups. This is the time that I'm going to use to do my own prospecting. Um, and then also I know we're going to talk about gifting. Like this is the time that I'm going to use to re-engage an op that's going dead, whatever creative way that we're doing that. Uh, so as an account executive, it's important that yes, if you're getting meetings put on your calendar, 
there could be worse problems to have, but it's really important that you take control of your calendar. Otherwise, by the end of the day, you're going to feel like, okay, I have another two hours of follow-ups to do. And then maybe you just push it over to the next day. And that's that's not really acceptable as an account executive. We got to make sure if, if we're knocking out of the park with these calls that we have really solid follow-ups that are going out. Um, so that would be my recommendation is taking control of your calendar, especially if meetings are getting put on it. All right. Now I'm seeing here that our audience actually likes to focus on the conversion rates for activity. And then comes the daily metrics. Kimmy, have you found that when you follow the daily metrics, it doesn't always quite come out to the result that you'd like uh, the organization has set? Um, Has that been the case for you at all at any point? 100%. 100%. I mean, like, if I just went and grabbed 150 random prospects, but didn't like look at the account and see if it was a good fit, or look at the person's profile and see, like, are they actually, do they actually have power? Or are they just a director that's an individual contributor? Um, I think that, like, spending that time up front to make sure that you're spending your time in the right place is super important. And um, Shanae, if I'm pronouncing her, name correctly put into the chat like looking at connect rates is super important um and so when you think about like how many conversations do i need to have and then what's your like conversion rate once you're able to actually have a conversation that that's like a really solid point too but yeah like if you send 200 terrible emails like you're probably not gonna get any more meetings than if you sent zero so um I think that not doing activity for activity's sake is something that I've always been, I've always felt strongly about. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I understand why. Definitely. Uh, A lot of times it feels like we're on the hamster wheel and we're just doing activity just to meet the bare minimum. And ultimately that's not what's just going to get us to our goal, which is closing deals, really moving things along in your pipeline. And honestly, we're all in sales to make money. If you really want to make money, you got to make sure you're focusing on those money-making activities. You want quality over quantity. That is right, Evan. So this brings us perfectly into our next point, which is we want to know how to examine past closed deals to increase the closed rate, right? So these deals can be very important, especially when you're looking back on them. But why is that the case, Amanda? Uh, Is there something you can get out of it? I think, well, I know that it's all about contacts, right? We need to go and look at the deals that closed. And we also need to look at the deals that didn't close, the deals that stalled out midway through. There's a lot to be learned from each. And I think it's really important that you even go deeper. Let's reverse engineer what it took to get this deal to the finish line from what email or what marketing campaign even got them to take the meeting. What happened that discovery call? What was it that we showed them within the demonstration that really piqued their interest? Who we need to get on board and how we ultimately were able to to uh, drive urgency and and get them to close. And also, a lot of deals can get stuck in in procurement. Can be the the mm-hmm. difference between a Q one and a Q two close. So I always tell my reps is let's get in front of that as early as possible. We got our champion on board. Let's let's literally lift the curtain and understand, okay, what needs to happen next to get this to close? And let's say perfect world, we've got the thumbs up from your CMO or whoever that might be. 
what can we expect then? Because procurement can add another week, another two weeks, even another month. I think everyone has been there in that situation where you're just waiting for PandaDoc or DocuSign opens. And let's be honest, uh, a piece of software isn't always going to be at the top of uh, a legal or security team's list when they are having to evaluate and do things for their company internally. So kind of going back to the point is let's take a look at the deals I've closed in the past. Let's take a look at the deals that didn't close in the past. And more importantly, let's not focus too much on those one call closes because sometimes those are just layups. People came in, they knew what they wanted. Where do I sign? Let's look at the ones that were really around that more average deal cycle and then be able to break down what made it successful or maybe what what kind of killed it in the end. That's a really good point out, Amanda, about Maybe there's something more to the process than just making sure that they're ready to close. Uh, There could be procurement. There could be legal. There's a lot of components to a deal that you may not know about. So this is why it's so important to make sure you're always updating your CRM to give the the layup to another rep who will be reaching out and they can have an understanding if it does become closed lost. So when it comes to quick wins... How does that help the situation? So let's say you want to examine your pipeline and you know there's probably some quality in there and it can be a quick win. Uh, Kimmy, can you tell me more about this? What do you like to do to find these quick wins? For me, when I think about how can I quickly set something up, I know that I want to find people where it's the highest likelihood of being a good fit. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's probably looking at like what industry are they working in, making sure I'm like talking to the persona who's probably going to care about the problems that my company helps solve for the most. Um, also, I think like in terms of quick wins, any sort of familiarity, if you've talked to them in the past and they're closed lost, if they download content, I love team links, love team links best way to like get in touch with someone ever in my opinion um so like leaning on introductions is huge and um yeah like if if the companies had previous conversations even if it was with a different person but anywhere where there's like just like a bit of warmness i think those generally tend to be like the best areas to or people who are new to their jobs too I'm glad you made that point because you can look and see, okay, champion or even like buyer, previous admin of your tool changes jobs. And there's tools, there's tools, uh, user gems, a newer one called Intel AI. I've had a really great conversation with their founder. uh, That's going to be able to give you those signals when someone who has previously purchased a tool, previously used it, uh, moves roles. You want to get in front of that and make sure that you guys are top of mind. If you were sticky at their last organization, let's make sure that you are on the docket for them to uh, purchase at their new one. Now, Amanda, from the AE perspective, if we're going to get tactical, what do you like to do in terms of process to find those quick wins yourself? I think at the end of the day, it really comes back to uh, running a really tight discovery. And I'm not talking just like the checklist. Do you have this? Do you have that? Or even like 
expand as much. It's like we like to call it we well, I like to call it emotional discovery because what's there isn't always lying on the surface. There's something more than just what's the return on investment of your tool or what is the cost of inaction. There's actual emotion there. Hey, bring me through your current process, share your screen and show me how you're currently doing this today. Then it becomes a little bit more emotional and, and kind of maybe embarrassing in some cases. So if we can then let's say the the deal is maybe stalling out, use their own words. Like what Kimmy is selling, utilize a snippet of gong where they admitted to something that is going to be very negative is if they can't solve it, it's going to be really impactful to their bottom line optimization of processes, things like that. And loop back around on that just to kind of remind them, hey, this is in your own words. You said this. What's stopping us from solving that right now? That can create a really quick win because then all of a sudden, whatever has kind of put this priority lower on their their list, then pops up there, and they're like, "You're right. I need to. I need to get this this tool over quicker." And uh, that can become the difference between a six week sales cycle and maybe a two week. Okay, and Kimmy, you mentioned earlier about how you want to see if someone's changing roles. Or you know it, that way they they are probably more likely to close in, in in a very quick sense because you've reached out to them before. How do you like to phrase that when they have changed roles, and how are you notified that they've changed roles to begin with? Start with the how do I know? For me, that's using sales nav and just using the filter that's like change jobs within thirty days or ninety days and looking at that. Um, and when it comes to engaging them, I think understanding like, hey, if someone started this job two weeks ago, like probably like they might need a sec to breathe. Um, so like doing some sort of value add touch of being like, hey, congratulations on your new role. That's the perfect time to send a gift to and don't ask for anything. Um, I think until they've been there for like a month and a half or like maybe two, but a lot of times people need to get their feet wet. So it's saying like, hey, like saw you just stepped into this role, like read this really interesting article about um, like blah that's going on or like thought that this resource might be helpful now that you moved from like commercial sales to enterprise sales or just like providing something valuable. And then I think as much as like, yes, you can sometimes find those short-term wins, like favoring the long-term too. Um, and like making sure that that person is going to go, oh yeah, Kimmy, the next time I reach out, oh yeah, like she did this nice thing for me, like, and didn't bombard me and ask me for 20 minutes of my time when I'm like trying to figure out what this product even is for this company that I sell at. Um, mm. So I think like, just like using a bit of like emotional intelligence too. Like how would I feel if I was in the situation and someone was reaching out to me um, can be really key. I'm so glad you mentioned just sending a piece of content because that's also a really good strategy when we're trying to re-engage a deal that's gone dead. I would go so crazy with account executives that were just like following up, hey, like, can we get another, you know, what are your thoughts on getting another meeting or just following up on this, just following up on this? Let's lead with content and zero call to action. And we've also saw a lot of success with that. Hey, I know it's been a couple of months since we spoke. We just did this new case study with this in this company. Their situation was kind of similar to yours. Thought maybe you'd want to check it out. 
done. No call to action. No, let's cut, get a meeting. So I really love that you said that, Kimmy, because yeah, like let's, let's also have some empathy. They, what do they say? They're drinking from the fire hose when they first start a new role. They're probably going to get a little irritated that they're already getting pitched. Yeah. And I'll add to like, it doesn't even need to be related to work. Like I, I know that like one of my CROs is like a huge Eagles fan. And so I sent him like a gif of like an Eagle celebrating yesterday and was like, Hey, congrats on the win. Like that's it. Um, And I think just having those like touches where you're like building the relationship and you're adding value without like trying to get something um, can be really valuable. That is a very strong point. And it looks like some people are not fans of the Eagles in the chat, but hey. <laughs> so I actually want to hear from my audience. Uh, how long do you guys wait until someone actually switches roles until you reach out? Do you wait one month? Do you wait three months? How long? Throw it in the chat. We'd love to see some of these because I'm very curious. Uh, a lot of people I've known even reach out the same day. And they're like, hey, I noticed you're changing roles. No ask. You don't get an ask. Just saying, basically acknowledging that they just switched roles. Congrats. And that's it. And they leave it and they let it simmer because uh, that will come back. So I'm already seeing here six weeks. Tracy, uh, Christina here says uh, a few weeks. Jace is two months. Joshua, a month. I think that's around a good time. If, if you're able to reach out in the first initial touch and then wait about a month or two, you probably have a lot better luck uh, with getting them to convert in the long run. So, Amanda, how about the relationship between SDR and AE? How can that help close more deals um, when it comes to reviewing your pipeline at the end of the month? You guys know that this is one of my favorite topics to the point where <laughs> it's I just feel like I just I want to be that patron saint of building bridges between sales dev and and the AE teams because it is so common that there's friction between these teams, whether it be the process isn't followed or AEs are getting unqualified meetings put on their calendars. So I think it's really important that we realize SDRs are typically aiming to end up in one of those AE seats. So it goes from both sides. And it's a really good opportunity for account executives to actually be more of a mentor to SDRs, give feedback on the good ones, give feedback on the not so great ones create actual processes from a leadership standpoint, which is something that I really focused on in my last um, in my last role, because if we could just get the process down, then we're able to focus more on the enablement, on the training to make sure that both teams are aligned with what actually looks like a good meeting. Um, mm. So A is taking that kind of that, that mentor role and say, hey, this was a great meeting and you prepped me so well for this meeting. And this is why it went as it did. And I'm actually going to be able to progress the opportunity. Um, we also had this thing where I would, you know, kind of do a, a random shout out to our account executive team and say, hey, let's flood the sales team channel with just STR callouts because that can really help. Also, let's not forget a lot of people that are that end up being STRs. This is, you know, kind of a newer role for them. It's it's a newer industry. It's even, you know, their first entry level role. And oftentimes you're just given a phone, a sales engagement platform, a CRM, you're taught kind of how to prospect. And it can really be very beneficial for team culture for there to be just so much positive reinforcement. But on the other side, there's that understanding that let's not forget, we all had to start somewhere. Mm. And uh, account executives also need that kind of humility there as well. 
I really like how you said pointing out the mentorship that you can provide to an SDR when you are actually pointing out why a deal was able to proceed. I think that's so valuable. And I actually want to hear from the chat. Put a one in the chat if you feel like you can improve your relationship with your AEs. If you're an SDR, you feel like it would find value. And put a two if you feel like you're actually in a good place with it. Because... Uh, I find that I find from what I've seen in organizations, it's usually not the case. AEs kind of go on their own, doing their own thing. Now, Kimmy, from the SDR perspective, what have you done when it comes to deals to, um, you know, work with your AE and improve those relationships? Yeah, I have been lucky to. I've been working with like the same AE, just one for like eight months now, or wow, a nice. bit more than that. Yeah. So um, when you talk about like mentorship and partnership, like that's huge. And because I've been in my role now, like I generally have a sense, no, like this is going to be a really good use of their time or like this is going to bring me one meeting closer to quota, but like this probably will never close. Um, <laughs> and I think that like there needs to come a level of like mutual respect and partnership where your AE is like, my AE like mentored me in how to prospect, not just like what's a good opportunity or not. But like we literally would look at an account, look through all the research for it and write an email together because like I used to write emails like an absolute robot um, where they were just like aggressive and were like, you have these problems. Like I know it. And like no one wanted to respond to my emails because they <laughs> sounded like that. Um, and so I think that like looking to AEs too, not just for like, hey, what does a quality opportunity look like? But like, how can I be more effective in my prospecting is huge because like at my company, our commercial AE is all self-sourced. So there's a ton of different, like really skillful people who have a lot of different approaches that they can share. Um, so I would say like getting feedback on your prospecting from someone who's been doing it and like getting help on like objection handling. When someone sends you an objection, not like asking for a meeting, but like asking a clarification question, it feels so counterintuitive as an SDR. You don't want to ask a question. You're like, they're not going to reply to me. This is my one shot. I'm just going to ask them again if they'll talk to me. And like, it just doesn't work. Um, and so those are some of the things that I have learned from my AE's feedback. That's so great. But just going out of your way to even ask for feedback, I think is the most important part here. Uh, so that way they can actually know what to mentor to tour you on and how to build a better process for this. So I'm seeing here in the chat, Nia's asking, I just started working with with an AE when I always had my own towel. I'm not sure what you mean by towel, Nia. Um, if you could... Uh, expand on that. that would, oh, target account list. Star, there it is. Amanda, do you have any advice for her? So I guess from, from what I'm understanding here is uh, in the past, you you had your target account list. Uh, you, you worked until you couldn't work it anymore. You had tried. And, and I actually don't... I, I think targeted account lists actually are really useful, especially for SDRs versus doing this, this spray and pray. And also I've also seen in organizations where there's literally like this wild west of, of anybody just being able to pull any account out of Salesforce. Um, but I think what's important is to break down that targeted account list, find some time with your account executive and say, hey, who, who would be these dream accounts that we could get into? Um, in the last webinar that I did with you guys, it was like almost like find those, those accounts, those contacts that you have an actual crush on and go all in with it. Of course, 
be very uh, calculated and strategic about it. Uh, but there's so many different ways that you can actually penetrate into an account versus just throwing them into that that maybe 20-day cadence, however many steps that you guys have in place. It's like, let's go deep versus just going wide and work with your account executive to say, hey, if we had to pick five top accounts that I should really be focusing on this month, this quarter, whatever it is, which one would they be? And, and also, there's so many different resources you can pull from to get creative, to get in front of those accounts. I mean, look at Sell Better. They have tons of resources for you to level up as an SDR and be able to get more creative in getting in front of these type of prospects. Um, and then again, making sure that you have a tight relationship, especially if you have a one-to-one account executive relationship. Let's, let's not forget, like that's going to be pivotal for this success, not only for you as an SDR, but also for the account executive. So having that, that feedback loop is critical. That is a great piece of advice to Nia. And I hope that does help you, Nia, because <laughs> that was a good breakdown of how you can be using uh, your AE and the target account list. Uh, she says, yes, thank you. This is great. <laughs> so can we add just yeah, one quick thing on Please. that? Um, for me, something that has been huge is just having like a hundred percent transparency with my AE. Like we have an understanding or like, she knows that I want to get to my quota. I know that I want to like bring her quality pipeline and that like not all of it is going to like be a hundred percent great, like because of the accounts that I have available to me. Mm-hmm. And so getting really, really clear on like your qualification criteria, like, so, you know, if I spend my time on this, are you going to be like, are you going to flip it and be happy with the result of it? Um, but I think like having that dialogue because sometimes there is gray area and qualification criteria and making sure that you're not spending all of your time in the wrong place is like so so important so i think that like as you get started having a really frank conversation around like these are the expectations um like let's talk through everything that every like situation we possibly could so we can figure out like how do we not have like tension going forward because of gray area that we didn't clarify. Yeah. Qualification criteria, avoiding that gray area and making sure that everything has a process. I know we have a whole nother slide to get to, but you guys can hear how passionate I am in that in that whole respect. It's it's really critical for SCR and alignment that we have very clear qualification criteria, just that minimum, right? Mm-hmm. Of what it, of what we could actually sell to. And I think this will help us actually understand the tier three um, accounts, right? So if you have a good relationship with your AE, chances are you're able to actually pull some more tier threes into an actual deal cycle more easily when you're able to understand what it is you guys are looking for together. So when it comes to tier threes, you got to use a very specific outreach. You can't just go in it and see and hope for the best because a lot of times it's not the best quality. And I actually want to hear from our audience. Do you guys struggle with your tier three accounts? Let us know. I got a question here up for you. Uh, Maybe. Yes. Let me know because I remember when I was in SDR, I definitely struggled. I felt like it was the bottom of the barrel. Didn't know what to do. Kimmy, what do you enjoy doing? Do you incorporate humor at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think like tier threes are a lot of the times the places where I'll try new stuff, like putting people in a new email sequence. Um, there's a guy on a different team here and like he made this like drift video sequence and 
just sent it to like 500 people but he had like a nine percent reply rate on his first email and i was like oh my god i'm totally gonna steal that and try that and make my own version of it and see what sticks um and so i think like using that to look at like maybe you want to a b test like your subject lines or your messaging and figure out like what's getting opened more what's gonna get like replied to more and like incorporate that into the upper tiers of your outreach um I think is super important. And then just like, yeah, using humor, like. I see you got an example here for us. Yeah, this is not mine. It was like someone's template and outreach that I don't even remember what I searched, but I found it and I was like, oh, this is hilarious. And I was trying to re-engage this guy. And so I just sent this to him because I was like, I don't like really care. Like he'll either like laugh or be like, how unprofessional, like whatever. <laughs> so, um, but I actually like got a good response from it. And he was like, that's hilarious. Like now is not the time, but whatever. Um, so this is something I'll like throw out as a last ditch effort. It's kind of like a bit of a different take on like a breakup email, but using something like funny. I've seen also someone being like, wow, like you made it through my 16 step multi-channel outreach. Like, were you just on a really long vacation or like, do I need to go back and take another class about prospecting or like <laughs> something like that? Cause it's just like, it's not that serious. All right. So definitely allowing, not taking yourself too seriously and just reaching out can definitely help bring a tier three into the fold and move them along in your pipeline. Amanda, for the people out there, what kind of advice would you give anyone? Because we're a little short on time here and I want to make sure we get to the Q&A. By the way, if anyone has questions, be sure to throw them in the Q&A because we will be getting to them very shortly. Because um, I'm seeing here that sometimes people are struggling. About 51% of our audience does struggle uh, with the with tier threes at times and 37% say yes. So what piece of advice would you give them to when it comes to tier threes? Yeah. So one thing, it depends, like, are we getting in front of tier three accounts? And is it actually getting on an A's calendar? The second is how do, do we define tier three? Is this the company size? Is this the specific industry that they're in where we don't always, it's not necessarily our bread and butter. And as an account executive, when we get it into pipeline, we say, okay, we can sell them something, right? Could be a, a, a different use case, or it could just be our very basic product. As long as we can get in with them and get them to buy something, then this is a land and expand opportunity. And it also can be really interesting for us to kind of do that research of whether or not we can expand into different industries that we may have in the past considered uh, a tier three. So get excited about experimentation and don't always judge a book by its cover just because it's a T3 as a tier three as an account executive. Let's still play it as we would any sale, run discovery and get creative on what type of product line we can actually sell into. All right. So remember, you guys have usually more than one product. You got a flagship product and then you have multiple breakdowns of that product that scale into different directions. Just know what you want to use and where it is most suitable tier three. Sometimes it's not always a flagship product because that may be a little pricey, but there's a lot of options available to you and you got to keep that in mind when you're targeting your list. So I'm seeing the, the let's get right into the Q&A here. Um, so an anonymous attendee asks, any advice for becoming better at booking meetings via emails? Amanda, would you have any advice for this person? Just check the data. Let's look at open rates. Let's look at everything reply rates. Uh, 
I think more, yeah, Morgan said it. Hey, sales, there is no silver bullet in sales. You just have to follow a process. And that process should be meticulously looking at the data of what's worked and what hasn't and being open to trying something new. All right. And Kimmy, an anonymous attendee here asks, um, actually, Cohen asks, any advice for multi-threading in an, in an account while being relevant for any every stakeholder? Yes. One, I would say align with your AE about if you're going to name drop the person that you're already talking to or if you should be like doing it like cold outreach. A lot of the times my AE will say like, it's fine if you mention it on the phone that we're talking to so-and-so. Like, but if you're putting their name in to the email, you want to make sure like if it got forwarded to them that they wouldn't like be angry about it. Um, and I think saying like, hey, like maybe let's just like take the scenario where you're keeping it cold. Cause I think like that's a, like a little bit tougher and you could always add in their name for a bit more credibility. Mm-hmm. So it's like, heard about X, like heard about conversion rates. Like if that's like the main problem and then your email's like, hey, like been hearing that X is a huge problem for people in this title. Like they try to do blah to solve it, but find that X like issue keeps arising. Like they're leaning on our solution to whatever value prop, like, and then you can either ask like, how do you currently go about solving this? Or you can ask like, does this feel relevant or something like that? Um, And so I would just say like being, reaching out to them about like a problem that you know that they have. And then also if you already know what the problem is, like find a way to make sure that they're going to open it and engage it. So for me, this looks like personalizing emails based on maybe like a hobby that someone has in their LinkedIn bio. Like if I know that they love cooking, I'll be like talking about like the secret recipe of sales and whatever and tying that in. So it's both like relevant and they feel special when they get it. Sometimes you can have a really rock star email and people will just be like, well, like maybe she said this to like other people too. So like, <laughs> yeah, they like want it. They want it to feel special um, and to be relevant. Okay. Well, that's a great way to answer it. And thank you everyone for putting in your questions in the Q&A. I see we have one more here. We don't have time to get to it, but we will be answering it as part of our new Sell Better hotline. So keep a lookout for that. Anonymous attendee, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'll make sure that we answer your question in the future. Now, Amanda, I'd love to ask, where can the people find you? Uh, Amanda Bagley on LinkedIn, uh, Amanda Lucy Bagley on Instagram. I also have a website that will be uh, getting taken down here shortly since I'm no longer in the market for a job, but that is AmandaLucyBagley.com. All right. And Kimmy, where can the people find you? LinkedIn. All right. Kimmy has only one there. Well, thank you guys so much for attending. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much to our audience and we will catch you on the next one. See you later.